You're listening to the Touch of Flavor podcast, episode 30. You're talking about putting your fuck parts in my head where my brain lives. You know, in nature, only a handful of creatures made for life. But isn't that, like, cheating? We can't do this 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Why not? The safety word is banana. It is so refreshing to be with someone who likes to fuck outside the box. This is the Touch of Flavor podcast. Dating and relationship advice by kinksters for kinksters. Join us as we tackle BDSM, sex, non-monogamy, and how to build extraordinary relationships in an ordinary world. And now your hosts, Cassie and Rigel. Hey guys, so today we're going to be talking to Sri Richard and Sri Namaste. Uh, They're the founders of the School of Alchemy, and we're going to be talking about the role of forgiveness in relationships. So we're going to talk about forgiveness, we're going to talk about apology, we're going to talk about moving beyond past hurt. Uh, This is some ninja-level relationship stuff today, guys, so stick around, it's amazing. You can catch the show notes for this episode at atouchofflavor.com forward slash 030. And if you like the show, don't forget to subscribe. Today we're talking to Sri Richard and Sri Namaste, a.k.a. The Infinite Couple. They are the founders of the School of Alchemy and the School of Feminine Transformation. They are metaphysicians and life and relationship alchemists who facilitate the transformation of the mundane into the precious, utilizing the wisdom of the ages. Teachers, public speakers, spiritual conduits, and transmitters, they work together bringing insight using tools and techniques based on multiple healing modalities. With over 50 years combined as spiritual leaders and a deep insight into the needs of both the masculine and feminine, They are parents of eight mostly adult children, lovers of fine wine, good food, and adventures, and can be found broadcasting live multiple times a week. How are you guys doing today? (laughs) We are well. We are doing very, very well. Yes, we're fabulous. Awesome. So today we're going to be talking about forgiveness. And as much as we like to think of our relationships being wonderful and fantastic and nothing ever going wrong where we would have to forgive our partners. It is something that does come, you know, and regardless of how great of a partner you are, uh, eventually at some point you're going to need to be forgiven or your partner's going to be needed to be forgiven. So kind of getting into that, how would you guys sort of define forgiveness like what would you say it actually means to forgive Mm, what a juicy question yeah that is a great question um i think i believe forgiveness is um whenever there's an energetic debt right like you've done something you've hurt somebody and you owe something Mm. and i think forgiveness is the cancellation of that debt Mm -hmm. you know like it doesn't exist anymore. It's over. It's done with. Mm -hmm, We mm -hmm. can move on. Yes. Forgiveness is how you go from having a debt or a wound to Mm -hmm. being whole once again in that relationship. Even, and it doesn't matter if the relationship is going to continue or if it's an act of closure in the relationship, it's still a necessary aspect because it makes whole. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's actually a really interesting point, I think, is the uh, the good that forgiveness can do for the person who's giving it as well. Mm-hmm. You know, and you're talking about the whole, well, actually, I, w- I want to talk about that for a second, actually, because I, f- I find that really interesting. The forgiving someone after breakup part? Well, no, that's interesting itself. No, I, <laughs> I know some people who could, well, you know, it, it, it amazes me the number of people who are like, have really bad breakups. No, I wasn't, or, or you know, like, bitter at their excess for years. No, but I was talking about, no, the idea that forgiveness can actually be helpful to the person who's giving and not just the person receiving. Because I think a lot of times when we think forgiveness, that's, that's what we think. It's one person, you know, giving up something that they're not really getting anything out of and the other person's taking it. And I, I think the concept that it does something for both people or can do something for both people is actually a really interesting one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you want to go into that or do you want me? Yeah, go ahead. Um, well, what's interesting is that So we own businesses. And one of the things about being a business owner is that if you have something that someone owes you, you continue to have kind of like an opening where it's like, this is not, this is still, this still needs to be made whole. This is still something that is missing. But when you write it off, then you are whole. So regardless of what happens with that other person, it's actually one of the highest places of power. 
because it's saying, I refuse to not be whole because of your actions, right. <laughs> you yeah. know? So it's definitely yeah. for, for the person doing the forgiving. Mm-hmm. I would even say even more than the person who is forgiven. It's, I am invested in my, in my own ability to be whole more than I want you to be punished. Because when you are, when you have that, that issue between you, um, let's just say like if you had a compass and true north for you was pointing towards pleasure, right? At from the inception of that thing that is between you, as long as that's there, your compass never quite gets back to true north. It mm-hmm. always mm-hmm. it always is pulled like a little magnetic, it's it's a little bit depending off. on yeah, it's a little bit off. Yeah, mm-hmm. this is gonna be a couple degrees. Sometimes it's just spinning, right? Because you are being pulled in so many different directions because maybe there's a preponderance of things mm-hmm. that you haven't forgiven. Mm-hmm. So by truly forgiving and letting it go, mm-hmm. you allow your compass to be able to point to your true north, whatever that is, and you're not pulled in the direction of that issue mm-hmm. any longer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think that's really important. I think forgiveness is super important for closure on things. Mm-hmm. Um, when you go through things and you are hanging on to that resentment and anger and just negative feelings towards somebody, you have a tendency not to be able to face your own closure on the subject. Like, even if you, cause that's why I asked the question, whether you were talking about like forgiving a, uh, a partner or previous partner and, it's that closure. It's letting go of it rather than hanging on to the harsh feelings or the uh, resentment that you might have towards somebody. You can actually, once you forgive somebody, you can let it go. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that at the end of a relationship, um, whether that's a partnership um, or romantic entanglement, or if it's even friendship, um, at the end of the relationship, you need forgiveness for the closure. If you are in the relationship, you almost need to have forgiveness before you can totally be reconciled with that person. A -hmm. lot of times people want to save the forgiveness to the end, like let's hash it out, hash it out, hash it out, and then forgive. But if you flip that and forgive first, the reconciliation, the healing, the understanding, and all of the other needed elements that will allow the relationship to, to continue become much easier. Then, if you save the forgiveness to the end, right, right, absolutely, yeah. yeah. What would you mind? Would you mind going a little more detail about what you mean by that when you say hash out? Are you talking about like during a, a dispute, like actually during a dispute? Yeah, like so. If we're talking about let's let's um, drill down on it a little bit. If we're talking about a partnership, like if if King Richard, if, if Shri Richard and I are having a, a conversation, and we, I'm trying to think. Let me go back a little bit. Okay. So if I go into a situation where we, there needed to be some forgiveness, I needed to forgive him for something, or he needed to forgive me for something. I needed to do that. There was a situation, you hurt me. I need to forgive you and then make the decision or, or go through the process of now, what do we do next? Um, Why did that situation happen? Mm -hmm. Where was I hurt at? Where was he hurt at? We don't deal with um, our relationship is not based on shame or blame. So we don't do shaming and blaming in our relationship. It's a question of communication more than anything else. So we always go into where's the communication breakdown? Um, how did this happen? And so on and so forth. But the forgiveness step of that happens first. It's the choosing to say, you know what? I choose to believe that regardless of what has happened, you still have my my best interests at heart that you're not trying to hurt me or harm me right yeah and we may have misunderstood each other but there's no there's still goodwill fundamentally goodwill. Mm-hmm. and because forgiveness comes first then we can include whatever details after that but if we leave the forgiveness till last then the entire conversation all the proceedings become um individual pieces mm-hmm. to that and the quality of the forgiveness depends on the perception of the sincerity, perception of this, mm-hmm. you know, whether you're hungry or not. Right. You know, there's, a, there's a whole lot that can enter into that, much of which is beyond the control of the person who is 
doing the forgiving. Right. right? Exactly. Exactly. In other words, forgiveness creates that space in which uh, reconciliation can occur. It's hard to reconcile without without forgiveness. So basically, if I'm if I'm getting what you're saying correctly, it's that you know as long as you're uh, I almost I almost want to use the word blame here, mm-hmm. but you know if if as long as you're as long as you're you know well you know we you misunderstood me or you know whatever the case may be, um, or viewing I guess your partner's actions in not a bad light. I guess that's why I want to use the word blame. Um, that that ha- that you have to do that before you can make any further progress in in resolving the issue. Exactly, exactly. Um, most people try to resolve the issue first. Okay, who did what? Why did this happen? What are you going to do going forward? How is this? How can I ensure that you won't hurt me again? And then I will forgive you. And the way we suggest it and 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 practice it is to turn that thing the other way, which does require um, perhaps a, a greater degree of vulnerability, vulnerability from the outside outset. Yeah, vulnerability and courage. And courage, yes. Right. <laughs> because the other way is like, what assurances can you give me? What are you willing to give up? What are you willing to, you know, what are you willing to sacrifice? What little animals are you willing to put on the altar and sacrifice to <laughs> an altar of this <laughs> forgiveness exercise to prove how sincere you are you know and the other way says that you're standing in your authority as an eternal being and saying you know what it is mine to grant Mm. in this very moment Mm -hmm. and it's my responsibility yes yes and so i can do that much and i don't need i don't even need you to be involved in that really Yeah, I'm. I'm curious. I, I find that I find it really interesting because that that's one of those things that I feel like is it's one of those things that you hear it and you're like, man, that's a really good idea. Like that that actually seems like an amazing concept. But how do you go about actually putting that into practice? I mean, that that's you know the forgiving before before you you get the stuff worked out. I mean, that's one of those things that sounds great. But how would you, how would somebody actually go about? implementing that like in you know when when an argument's going on like how would you actually go accomplishing that because that sounds like one of those things that it's easy to say but it sounds very difficult to actually accomplish i'm curious if you have any any advice or tips on how you would actually go about doing that like in the heat of an argument when something's going on mm. oh um well there's a couple different scenarios yeah we do have a um, bunch of information about how to do that i think that the easiest place to do it is um is to go back right like one of the things that we talked about when when we um we were beginning the beginnings of our romantic relationship is no no shrines to pass pain mm-hmm. and so we have any number of examples in in our collective past or individual past about things that you know still sting us and things like that and you can work on those because you know you built a shrine to it because whenever that a similar situation arises or when you come into contact and something may trigger you, et cetera, you start to respond in the same way. So that lets you know that this is something that needs to be dismantled. And so over time, you can start working on that and dismantling that. Why? Because you got the work site already picked out. A little bit more difficult to do in the spur of the moment Mm -hmm, when mm -hmm. something has already happened, when you have that present ouch. Right. You know, that that requires a little, um, that's maybe like a 201. But mm-hmm. the 101 <laughs> is, mm-hmm. you know, look in your past. You know, what do you have against, you know, when you hear that person's name or a similar situation comes up or something, somebody you care about is going through a similar situation that reminds you of something that was in your own past and those feelings come up. You start to hyperventilate a little bit, start to get a little, you know, that, that sweat around the, <laughs> <laughs> around the forehead and, you know, the pulse rate goes up and it's like, okay, this is where I need to do, need to do some work. I need to do my work there. The person may not even be around, even a part of your life anymore. It's, it's almost one of those things of best defense is a good offense type of thing. Like the best way to keep it from happening during conversations to make sure that you're working on the stuff from the past, the past things that have, and that's, that's an interesting, that's interesting. Yeah. Cause I, I guess a lot of times when we, we have stuff pop up in these arguments, you know, a lot of the things and our feelings related to them don't actually have to do with what's going on in the present, the present conversation, you know, it's interesting. I've, I've, I've kind of, um, I, I go on, on kicks 
of different things. Cassie's smiling at me because she knows. I go, I go on kicks of random things where like I'll go through like you know four or five months of of going through something. And uh, one of my my latest ones was um, cognitive behavioral therapy. And you know the the whole the whole concept of you know that the stories we tell ourselves about reality a lot of times have more to do with how we're interacting with the world than reality itself. You know, it's that kind of idea of you're you're interpreting all these things, uh, and you can interpret them so many different ways. And you're you know you're choosing to interpret them a certain way, maybe a poor way based on your past experiences. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly, and that happens. Fairly, I would say, you know, most arguments that couples engage in are not based upon whatever is the current thing. The current thing is just, you know, a small match um, that is lighting fire to a fuel that has been leaking for Mm -hmm. a very long time. Um, And so, you know, if you if you're in the heat of the moment, you know, where you're actually arguing and there's, you know, elevated voices and adrenaline and and everything, how do you get from there to forgiveness? It's really um, it's simple, but it's it's definitely it's actually easier done than said. I know most people say it's easier said than done. This is something that's easier done than said, which is just stop, like literally stop talking Mm -hmm. and take a breath. And let that breath soften your torso, because what is happening is you are in a fight or flight response. And in a fight or flight response, you cannot think rationally, you cannot heal, and you cannot connect with another person because you're focused on, I either need to beat up the thing that's coming against me, Mm -hmm. or I need to run away from it. And you don't want to see your partner through those eyes. So you need to teach your body, train your body to respond differently, that this is a safe space for me. Because forgiveness requires vulnerability. So your body has to feel like you can be vulnerable before the thought of forgiveness will even enter into your brain. Right. You literally cannot get there from here. Yeah. So you you need to like stop and breathe and let the breath go and literally soften like your chest and your belly and and just pause for a moment and touch your partner. Mm -hmm. Touch is huge. Because that says I'm safe here with you. Right. You should look at it like this. The the issue needs space. Just like a fire, you know, it, it's something flammable. It needs um, oxygen and it needs fuel. So imagine that fuel space is a distance between you physically. Hmm. So the closer you get to each other, then the less you're going to allow space for that tension to arise. You know, because right. we, we, we can feel that like it's a safe space for us if we're touching um, but if we're on opposite sides of the room, opposite sides of the bed, you know, it's like, glaring at each yeah, other, glaring at each other, <laughs> bodies all tense. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and we're definitely fight or flight. You know, we just uh, we just interviewed um, Mark Michaels and uh, Patricia Johnson, I think. Yeah, two episodes ago, I think so. It would be uh, twenty seven, and they um, uh, they're very into tantra. They're tantra practitioners, and they teach on it. And one of the things they were talking about was how um, when they, you know, get into conflict sometime, they'll use eye gazing, which is a tantric practice, but they'll use it actually to try and calm the situation down and reconnect with their partner before they go any further in the conversation. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's powerful. Yes, 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 we love eye gazing. Yes, we've done that, yeah. And it, it is very helpful. Um, when we touch our partners, um, and so what we all wait, what we suggest to couples or triads or whomever, however many people they happen to have in their romantic situation is when you're getting ready to talk about something that is challenging that you get as close as you can to one another, that you are only going to address one thing um, you can, because you can only solve one problem at a time. And so you ha- you, there's only going to be one thing that's addressed and that as you are talking about whatever needs to be talked about, that you are touching one another mm-hmm. and that you become very aware of when you no longer want to touch your partner because that is the moment where you have probably unconsciously decided that this is no longer safe and you are either going to begin to retreat from them emotionally or mm-hmm. battle them emotionally. And so that just that awareness, when you feel that instead of following it, do just the opposite. Get right. closer. Lean in. Yeah. You know, so if you're like, I'm going to pull away. No, in fact, I'm going to put my head on him. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to look at him. I'm going to think about how much I love him. I'm going to, you know, when I don't want to look, I'm going to look more intensely. 
because all of that, again, begins to unravel that physiologic response that is that is actually a lot of times the catalyst to it getting worse. It also puts you in an energetic space where you can actually say, you know, it's never me against you. It's always me and you against the issue. Right. So what? And if you look at it like that, again, touching and doing what Namaste suggested, what happens is you start to see that, well, it's our disagreement and it's over there, but that's we're not identifying with it. That's not me and that's not you. Right. That's just the issue, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And once we deal with that or we can table it, we can do something with it. We can do any number of things with that issue, but we're still us. We can still hold hands. We can still enjoy our pancakes. We can still (laughs) experience the rest of this weekend. You know, even if we can't deal with all the permutations or all the complexity of the issue, because it's not, you know, because sometimes things aren't just that simple where you can just go, oh, well, all right. You know, we'll just let it go. Um, Maybe we need to talk about it some more, but it's neither one of us. Mm -hmm. It's the issue over there. Well, I guess the question that I have that I think is a really big question is, and people actually ever really forgive and forget. We always talk about forgiving and forgetting, but can you actually ever really forget it? Or should you? I believe that. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, I think that's a relevant, a secondary part to that question. Yeah. <laughs> it is relevant. It's very relevant. It is relevant. You know, I was reading something recently that says that, you know, we don't really ever remember things. What we remember is the last time we thought about it. So we're mm-hmm. actually recalling a memory as opposed to recalling the exact conditions that we were in when something was happening. Mm-hmm. So if that is true, then um, the whole idea of forgiving, or if we can forget, those things are are up to us. We can choose. Mm-hmm. I know that in my own experience, when I've really forgiven something, the details become murky and I allow them to become murky, Mm -hmm. you know, to the point where it's like, I I don't even remember what we were talking about. I can't recall the exact situation. I don't, because when you, in order for you to manifest and keep that thing going, you have to interject detail into it and you have to keep that fire going. Mm -hmm. I remember it was 4th of July, you know, 2014, you get on a plaid shirt and you were sitting there and you had a, uh, you know, potato salad was in your hand and you looked at me and you actually pointed your rib bone at me and you said, and I never will forget it. You know, you see what kind of detail in order for you to keep that going, you have to keep interjecting detail, which means it is entirely up to you. Well, and the, the funny thing about that is most of that detail you're remembering is probably wrong. So right. I actually, <laughs> I actually come from a, I actually come from a, a job where I've spent significant amount of time over the last several years interviewing people. And the best description I've ever heard for human memory is creative reimagining. Um, the because well, there's two problems: a we never observe what actually happens in the first place, and then b like you said, every time we remember it, we change it, we fill in the holes with whatever we're thinking at the time. It, th- there's been a lot of interesting studies on how how we feel at the present moment affects exactly how we recall a situation. Like we'll fill in the holes based on how we're feeling at the second we're remembering it. And it's funny, I think I think it annoys some of my partners sometimes because I've been in that so long. Like I get in the half the time when we get into arguments and we get into arguments about what happened, half the time I just am convinced that nobody actually remembers anything that happened. So right. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah we definitely that. agree with that. Um, we are one of the modalities that we uh, practice is neurolinguistic programming. And in NLP, one of the the teachings is that uh, one of the things that anchors memory is emotion. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so if you can shift the emotion and how you feel about it, a lot of times you can retain whatever the lessons are that you needed to learn from that experience. In metaphysics, we don't believe that anything happens to you. It all happens either through you or for you. So you can shift the emotional state that you're experiencing based on that. And then the details become irrelevant because you don't need to know all of the details in order to still be effective. So an example of that is that when I was learning to walk as a child, I have no memory of how many times I fell and bumped my head 
or skinned my knees, you know, when I was under the age of a year old learning how to walk, but that does not negatively impact my ability to walk today. And so in like manner, I don't need to retain all of the painful things that happened and remember and bring them up in order to still have a positive uh, benefit from those experiences. So yes, you can forget and we encourage, we, we encourage you to do so. <laughs> well, I, I think, I think the other, one of the side effects that comes from understanding exactly how subjective our own memory is is it makes you a lot less apt to want to spend time arguing about what happened instead of trying to move on and actually come up with a solution to the problem, Um, which is, I think, a good thing. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. It's like, I don't even really, I don't, most of the time, you know, and even in, you know, other types of relationships, I'm like, I don't, I'm less concerned about what happened and far more concerned about how did you feel? What was your experience? And, and what, where would you like to go from here now? You know, <laughs> but the details, uh, no. <laughs> right. They're really not that important. They really aren't. So as far as, you know, should we really give, forgive or forget? So obviously there is some good things with that, being able to let go, not hold on to resentment. But there's also some pretty awesome benefits to forgiveness too. I actually read an article uh, the other day. It was from the Greater Good magazine, and the article was uh, The New Science of Forgiveness. And one of the things that it was talking about is they've done studies, particularly around like elderly people and, and people who are older. And those who were able to forgive like big past hurts tend to have less stress, have less. Uh, problems with like Alzheimer's, less problems with health things. So not only is it like a mental thing, but it's actually like, you know, physically a good thing for you because you are able to let go of those things and not kind of wear yourself down with all the negative feelings. And, you know, we've seen a lot of different studies and things like that about how being negative and being, you know, upset and angry. Cynical. Please tell me that being cynical (laughs) isn't unhealthy for you because I'm in serious trouble. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't think there's, I don't think I've read anything about cynical. Um, but as far as being in a state of unhappy and angry will wear on your physical health. So forgiveness in and of itself is a way to get out of those negative things. And in that article, they sort of talked about this really interesting concept of forgiveness as a state of letting go of the negative. And I kind of like that you guys, when you guys were talking about it, with your your answer was very similar. It's letting go of the hurt and the that, debt. And the, yeah, letting go of the debt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's definitely been our experience. Yeah, yeah. Because it's like uh, people want to imagine that by holding on to past hurts, you can prevent future ones from coming. And that just isn't true. No, you know, and I think it's it's a process of emotional maturity when we accept that it's being part of our part of our universe instead of you know like pretending that we can do otherwise. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, if you were going to invest money, they would tell you that what happened in the market yesterday doesn't have any any connection to what's going to happen to your money today. So you're putting those funds at risk, and so it is risky to interact with other human beings. But it's it's also rewarding as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If it's kind of along the same lines, but as far as the concept of, um, you know, when you're talking about forgiveness, we've been talking a lot about forgiving other people. But where do you think that forgiving yourself plays into this whole discussion? Oh, my goodness. That's huge. Yeah. yeah and it's right. it's it's a huge key to um, we see them as being linked. Like mm-hmm. they definitely feed one into the other where you cannot forgive others. Um, you will also not be able to forgive yourself. So for instance, if someone says something to you when it hurts your feelings and you can't forgive them, then you will probably also have that same type of judgment towards yourself where you're constantly rehashing over and over again the things that you say because you're so concerned. And so there is definitely a link there. You know, the more spaciousness we can cultivate um, and it's, it's, it's a different type of of prosperity. It's a different type of of abundance. It's an emotional abundance and prosperity. And the more that we can allow that for ourselves, 
the more we have that to offer to others, the more we offer it to others, the easier it is to offer it to ourselves. And those things are, uh, they are very, very much linked linked uh, because other people, we see other people as just other selves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so for us, they're very, they're very linked. Like, oh, that's my other self. Wow. Okay. You're, you're reflecting something mm-hmm. back to me that I need to um, probably heal yeah. um, in myself. If you're being mean to me, I see you and I go, oh, you're talking to me in a way that I don't like to. The first question I'm going to ask, even before I start addressing that with you is, am I speaking to myself in that way? Do I need to forgive myself first? Because then when I go to you, I'll have more space to forgive you as well. And I think forgiving yourself is vital for taking care of yourself. I see a lot of times people who are in relationships when they're harboring this feeling of I did something wrong or I'm bad or I'm inadequate because of I did X, Y, or Z, they don't take care of themselves because they see themselves as being less than deserving because they haven't forgiven themselves for the actions that they've taken. So I think forgiving yourself is really important as far as taking care of yourself. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. You have more to give. You have resources when you're willing to extend that forgiveness to yourself. You know, you're, you just, you just, you can't show up for other people. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, like when you're on the plane and they say, when well, the cup drops down, you know, put it over your mouth first, you know, then <laughs> turn to the other person. I think it functions in that way. If we're willing to take a deep breath and fill our own lungs and we, um, we can have the strength to support doing a similar thing for someone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So moving from, you know, talking about forgiving ourselves for a second and, you know, we've talked about a lot of the reasons why it's important to forgive, both to forgive ourselves and to forgive other people. But what are some of the reasons you guys think why people find it hard to forgive or don't want to forgive? Well, one of the things that we always say is, is anything that's alive wants to stay alive. You know, things don't, don't volunteer typically to, to give up the ghost, so to speak. <laughs> they don't and, volunteer as tribute. <laughs> <laughs> And that was everybody's cultural reference for this episode. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I think that is, I mean, that's, it's true. It's like we have, we can have problems in that area because it wants to stay alive and it, it's like, feed me, you know, let's watch the video one more time mm-hmm. when it happened. Let's go over the facts. No one wants to be thought to be a fool mm-hmm. um, in their own eyes or in the eyes of other people. A lot of times people think that forgiveness makes them foolish or weak. I think many people, you know, my experience has been many people confuse forgiveness with um, other terms like codependent or enabling or, um, you know, not being empowered or it's, it's gotten entangled with a lot of, you know, psychological buzzwords that really have nothing to do with forgiveness. You know, and so, and then, and then underneath all of that is a, a deep fear of you hurt me. I put myself in a position to be hurt by you, and I don't ever want to experience that again. Right. Or by my actions, give anyone, even myself, the indication that that's okay. Right. Ah, that's a big one. Mm-hmm. If I forgive, doesn't that mean I'm saying it's okay that you hurt me? You know, so those are the biggest ones that seem to stand in the way. Yeah, and I think that there's also times that people hesitate to forgive because it's sort of it it relinquishes their upper hand in a relationship, their uh, ability to control a situation. If I haven't forgiven you, I can control you into making you, you can change still an pull a- that out whenever. Yeah, you can you, you can use a, it as ammo. Uh, an argument, yeah. And um, I think that's one of the reasons why people hang on to not forgiving sometimes is simply so they can have that in sort of their arsenal of things. And it's really not a good weapon in your relationship. It's actually something that's a, that's a very bad tool to use. But I think that's one of the reasons why people hang on to it. Well, it's funny when you say that, because that's, that's almost become like a cultural, like that's so, I don't really think about it until you said it, that's so common. That's almost become like a cultural thing, right? Like you hear that all the time, like, oh, you know, like you do something like she'll hold on to it forever. And but like that, that's almost like a, a regular thing people expect. Yeah. And it's, it's expected that, you know, if 
if your partner is angry, you know, if if he's angry at you and hasn't forgive you, you know, you need to grab him that beer and bring it to him in front of the television and let him watch the game. Or if, you know, vice versa, whatever, you know, you better buy her flowers and get a new purse or something. And it's this idea of power over your partner rather than actually trying to fix the problems or fix the issue that actually caused why you would need to forgive in the first place and and places it into this idea of being able to have power over your partner. Right. Unforgiveness as a means of, you know, making sure that I'm getting my needs met and that I can get the things that I want. You know, I can always pull, I didn't forgive you for this. You right. Know? Isn't that, it's a very complicated uh, machine to operate uh, <laughs> because it requires so much like group participation in its maintenance. You know, this whole culture of outrage. It's like, what if, what if the other person doesn't care as much? Hmm. You know, <laughs> <laughs> we're encouraged in our society, especially nowadays to believe that they do, mm-hmm. you know, that, you know, are you know, shaking our fists and are trembling with rage is going to have some like serious effect on them. But, um, my experience is that, most of the time, because people spend a lot of time in their own bodies and in their own heads, um, they need to actually be aware of that. And so if you sit in there holding that, your furrowed eye, eyebrows may mean something to you, mm-hmm. but it doesn't. If, see, now you got to tell them what you haven't forgiven them for right. so they can understand the depth of your anger. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Otherwise, <laughs> they may think you just got a headache or, you know. <laughs> Yeah, it just gets worse and worse. It's not, it's not, um, we're very big on helping people create sustainable, happy relationships. Yeah. <laughs> and so we're always like, well, do you want to be happy or do you want to be right? Yeah. You know, because if you want to be right, then please. Okay. So we had talked uh, a minute ago, you had been talking about how, you know, one of the reasons sometimes that people don't want to forgive is because they're worried about being perceived as weak. And I I think that brings up an interesting point of how, I partially want to ask the question is, when is the time not to forgive? Like, when is it something that you have to be like, you know, I I can't overlook this at this point. You know, this is something I have to take action on. Um, You know, how do you, how do you prevent that, that wanting to forgive to actually turning into weakness for lack of a better word? Mm. Hmm. I like to look at it this way. Just like um, with uh, somebody who's in law enforcement may go their entire career without actually pulling their gun and shooting at somebody. I think for most of us, having coming across an issue that is going to be so intense that it literally approaches the unforgivable, that may happen to us once in a few lifetimes. <laughs> I think many of us have been trained. And that's what we see the modeling that it happens to us often. And we, and we just, we may overlook it because we encountered that situation every single day or multiple times a day. When in reality, I don't know in my own experience that there's anything that's not forgivable. I, I absolutely agree with that. I mean, we, you have plenty of instances where, you know, uh, someone murdered a person's family member and they still forgave them. Uh, we have both had experiences. We've both been married. Um, and in our previous marriage, we both forgave our, our former spouses and, and actually did the work to be able to love them unconditionally, uh, even though the relationship ended. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that forgiveness and action whatever action needs to be taken are the same thing. I think that in fact once you realize that I can forgive someone, but that doesn't mean that I have to say I want them to be a part of my life. It makes forgiveness that much easier because you have kind of parsed out to things that don't have to be hooked to one another. You know, so you may say, you know, I forgive you. I forgive the debt um, of your wounding me and breaking my heart and being unfaithful and and all of these other things, you know. Um, And at the same time saying, when I look at my my values. And when I look at the type of life that I would like to lead and what is necessary for me to come into partnership with another person, I do not believe that we have a foundation that that can be built upon. 
Yeah, we don't have shared values. But that that has nothing to do with my ability to forgive you. You didn't right. forgive me. No, I do. I forgive you. And because I forgive you, I accept you absolutely as who you are. So now I'm no longer trying to project upon you that you would be differently. You would be a different person. I can accept you being who you are and say, wow, based upon that, this is not a viable dynamic for us to continue on because I want you to be happy and I want to be happy. And and that just is not going to occur based on who we are. Mm -hmm. Those are different. So at the end of the day, forgiveness is not the same thing as allowing a reoccurrence of a situation happening over and over again. No, no, not at all. Two, two very, very different things. Not at all. Um, and, and, and even, you know, if you forgive someone and you are still maintaining a partnership with them, then, you know, the opportunity for that occurrence to, to reoccur is there. By definition, if somebody cheated on you and you choose to remain in a relationship with them, then the opportunity for them to cheat on you is still there. Yes. But guess what? When you got into the relationship, the opportunity to cheat is there with anyone, actually, unless you like yeah. are chaining them up and keeping them in a room with you. <laughs> you know? And that's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> we might have had that one already. <laughs> that's another that's another podcast um, but you know <laughs> in, in general you know that's not how people are having their relationship so the opportunity to be hurt is there um but just because i choose to forgive you doesn't mean that i'm kind of like you know trapping myself and saying that i am not still sovereign and able to decide if we're going to continue and what that continuance is going to look like. Mm -hmm. um, that's still, that's still um, a space of autonomy that you have. Okay, so uh, could we talk for a minute about the role? We've, we've talked a lot about forgiveness, and you know, we've been talking a lot about it kind of from the uh, perspective of the person who is, is going to be offering the forgiveness. But what role does apology play in forgiveness, if any? Mm. Mm. Apology allows you to vocalize you know your intent mm. and to allow what's inside you to come out mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah there's the there's the space of the person who needs to who who needs to forgive will be the person forgiving and then there's a position of the person who knows that i have done something that has hurt the person that i'm in a relationship with and those roles are very different so the person who has done the wrongdoing, quote unquote, wrongdoing, they, they did the thing and the person is hurt by it. That offering of an apology is an acknowledgement. It's a step. Mm -hmm. They can't make the step of offering forgiveness, but they can make the step of saying, I want to be forgiven. I want to, I want to um, be reconciled to you. I acknowledge that by virtue of my actions, you have been hurt. And I don't, I don't desire that. And for us with apology, uh, a part of it is also, and I want to make this right. Yeah, that whole idea of making the other party whole, mm -hmm. if at all possible, expressing a desire toward that 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 be part of the apology because without that second part in terms of wanting and desiring their wholeness then what we're really saying is that i'm sorry you got hurt the end <laughs> you know? but not assuming responsibility <laughs> not assuming for responsibility it. for mm -hmm. that right yeah 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 we actually had an episode with uh charlie glickman first started actually it's one of our first talking episodes. about consent and at consent accidents and when things go wrong during yeah. the scene and one of the things that I really liked how he worded it is that if you do something non-intentionally and you're apologizing, like an apology is trying to actually fix the problem. It's not necessarily just saying sorry, but actually finding a way to repair it as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I, I agree with that. I think yeah. that asking the other person, and here's the beauty again, that's a place of vulnerability because when you say, Acknowledge that I did something that affected you in a way, huh, and I didn't want that. I didn't, wow, I'm sorry, you mm -hmm. know? And then also mm -hmm. saying, and how can I make this right? You are literally putting that in the other person's hands 
or at least beginning a dialogue to know that. And and so there is a there is a place of vulnerability there, and it is a conversation because what what one person may need to make something right, one person may say, well, the fact that you even said it is enough. Thank you. And someone else may say, no, mm-mm, that's not enough for me. You're gonna have to. Um, I need you to do these. <laughs> I need you to run through this, you know, flaming Cheerio <laughs> and jump through right, and. Yeah. <laughs> And I need all of these things to be done for me to feel that, you know, so you can't really just assume that, you know, what that other person is going to need. You want to allow them to to have space to express that to you. Right. But you've done by offering that you have done um, what is yours to do. Mm-hmm. You know, you've extended yourself and mm-hmm. you have acknowledged your role mm-hmm. in this in this happening. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I think we've actually pretty well. Covered a lot of the points that we had set out to cover. Do you guys have anything else that you want to add? Anything else about forgiveness you feel would be beneficial that we haven't uh, haven't talked about yet? Well, I think that what I would offer is that many times we talk about forgiveness, it's always um, participation sport. You know, mm-hmm. there's going to be somebody who's doing the forgiving, and then somebody who's needing that forgiveness. But what what I have found, and what I have noticed, is that Many people are enduring a solitary torment because of, you know, they feel like they just have to suffer with it. You know, I have this in my heart. This happened. Nobody knows about it. You know, I haven't talked about it. I don't want to talk about it necessarily. And I think that it is those things we need to recognize that we have the power to forgive Mm -hmm. without an audience. We have the power Mm -hmm. to forgive without that other person being there we have because many times there's no rewind on this thing you can't go back right. you know you can't recreate the situation or whatever but you can still forgive yes and if you can forgive you'll find that the prison that you're in you are holding the keys right in your hand you mm-hmm. can unlock the door and walk out at any time right yeah all right well thanks so much for all the insight on forgiveness and we're going to actually go into our speed round so with this, we're going to be asking you guys some questions. Since there's two of you, we're going to go back and forth so you guys can decide who you want to go first. It's 10 questions. The goal is to be done in 60 seconds. So it's the first thing that pops into your head. There are no wrong answers yet, although I, I do like to pick at somebody who, who had said that uh, he thought that Trump was a good thing for the country, but he, he, he reckon, reconciled that after the, the speed after, round. after the speed <laughs> round. So as of yet, we haven't had a wrong answer during the speed round. There's no such thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, what's something you're not very good at? Something I'm not very good at golf. Uh, the best piece of relationship advice you've ever received? Uh, to let it go and no shrines to past pain. I actually got it from Richard. <laughs> All right, Richard, what turns you on? Authenticity. Nice. A book that you would recommend for our listeners? Uh, 25 Rules of Civility by pm forney what's your biggest fear that i will get to the end of this leg of my journey and have potential still in me i want to use it all up what's the most adventurous thing you've ever done it can be sexual or non but the most adventurous thing you've ever done (laughs) um it would be bondage in a pool who is your movie star crush or TV crush? And actually both of you can answer that one because I always enjoy hearing what people's crushes are. <laughs> mm, my movie star crush. I know, time, oh, time. Ah, ah, I can't think of anybody. You want me to answer for you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go ahead. You like Halle Berry. I do like, I like Halle Berry, yes. <laughs> Who doesn't like Halle Berry? And mine would be <laughs> All right. Tell me something that's true that almost nobody agrees with you on. It's your turn. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'll tell you something that's true. Almost nobody will agree that collectively we wanted Trump to be president. Everybody. (laughs) He's like, no. All right. And last, what's something you guys are working on right now that you would like our listeners to know about? Well, we are, we have our School of Alchemy, which is an online school for uh, building businesses, relationships, and a relationship with uh, all that is. So we take the, the principles of the universe, the ancient teachings, and we 
make them modern for modern people. And it's all online. It's always available. It's always there. And it's a, it's a, we call it a spiritual community for the non-religious. So that's really close to our heart right now. All right. Where can, uh, where can our listeners find you guys online? Everywhere. Specific examples. <laughs> uh, we broadcast a few times a week live <laughs> on Facebook Live. We also have our website, which is richardandnamaste.com. Okay. And when you say you guys are on Facebook Live, what's the uh, page or account where that's on where people can find you? Richard and Namaste, the infinite couple in School of Alchemy. That's one long name, but that is the page. <laughs> And we'll link to it. We'll link to it in the show notes. We'll link to it in the show notes. Awesome. Yeah. And they do some really awesome stuff, guys. So if you're listening and you want to tune in, definitely do it. All right. Well, thank you guys for coming on. We've really enjoyed our time with you. Well, thank you for having us. This This has been been such a pleasure and such an honor. So thank you. Thanks for listening to the Touch of Flavor podcast, where we're building relationships outside of the box. Got a question about kink, power exchange, or open relationships that you've been holding on to for years? This is the place to ask it. Submit your question at atouchofflavor.com slash ask, or leave us a voicemail at 833-ASK-TOF1. Uh, awesome to say something. Okay, you guys say something. something. And, something, something and more something. And some something for me. <laughs> Did they sound really low to you? We yeah. should. Uh, okay. I'll just turn it up. Okay. Say um. Say something, something again. again. <laughs> something else again. Oh, I'm hearing myself now though. Is that better? Today we're talking to Sri Richard and Sri Namaste, aka the Infinite Couple. They are the founders of the School of Alchemy and the School of Feminine Transformation. They are metaphysicians and life and relationship alchemists who facilitate the transformation of the mundane into the precious, utilizing the wisdom of the ages. All right, hold on. I'm going to get this next (laughs) (laughs) Do you guys actually say that when you speak? I mean, it'd be awesome if you did, but I'm just, that's a mouthful. (laughs) We do. Yeah, we do. Yeah. Oh, that is fantastic. All right. All right. Teachers, public speakers, spiritual conduits. So we're going to talk about forgiveness. We're going to talk about apology. We're going to talk about moving past fast. I can't say moving past past hurt. That's ridiculous. <laughs>